This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The bipartisan infrastructure bill has passed in the U.S. Senate. The Penn Wharton budget model has looked at the impact the bill should have on the U.S. economy. And a pleasure to have John Huntley of the Penn Wharton budget model joining us to take a look at their assessment. Hi, John. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. So uh, this had been you, – you guys had looked at this in kind of the early days of this bill coming around. How much – how similar is the final bill to what you uh, had looked at early on in this process? So um, they originally had a compromise bill in – I guess it was a, around June, uh, and many of those provisions have changed. So first of all, on the spending side, that's actually very uh, remarkably similar – to what we're currently seeing or what was just passed yesterday. And so the numbers there changed very little. Um, however, on the, on the revenue side, things changed a bit. Back in the June bill, the, uh, one of the major sources of new revenues was increased IRS enforcement for things such as audits and investigations, which was anticipated to raise a fair amount of money uh, both in the ten in the next ten years and beyond the ten year budget window, however, that has since been replaced by uh, a number of other provisions, including increased cryptocurrency re- uh, reporting requirements, yeah. which are anticipated to bring in uh, a bit less money. The bill, a- as it stands right now, when we think of infrastructure, I think normally the first thought is roads, bridges, etc. But there are quite a, a few elements in this bill that maybe in the past we wouldn't have considered. When you think about uh, the build-out of the Internet, you go back 20 years, that was really not a consideration when you're talking about infrastructure. It certainly is today, especially with our digital economy. Absolutely. I mean, infrastructure, uh, you know, the access to digital assets is, is uh, increasingly important and necessary uh, to the modern United States economy. And I think this bill reflects that priority uh, for both Republican and Democratic senators and, and the administration. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that's something that necessarily would have uh, appeared in, in a similar bill 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but there are clearly areas of this country that have been underserved um, with uh, Internet access, and hopefully this uh, bill will be able to bring them uh, access to so that they have the same sorts of um, opportunities that everybody else does. And, and you can add in there uh, EV development, uh, charging stations, et cetera. That's another one of those components that a lot of people believe is going to be an important uh, element as we move out over the next, uh, next uh, couple of decades. Absolutely. I mean, that that is definitely something I don't think people would have anticipated 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously a ton of manufacturers are coming, al- uh, coming out with some rather novel EV designs, and, you know, hopefully this bill will be able to support uh, their adoption. So you have the various elements of this bill and, and the various amounts that are going to be uh, earmarked for all of these different areas. Uh, the question of how this is going to be paid for, though, that continues to be one of those issues that I think with any bill uh, comes forward in this day and age is looked at. So what are the areas of revenue uh, that are, are brought into the mix here uh, to help pay for this bill? So there are a few new sources of revenue. Um, I mentioned earlier the cryptocurrency reporting requirements, which were anticipated to generate some revenue. Uh, there are also a couple other small fees and taxes as well. I think there's a fee on Superfund um, sites, uh, on, on polluters, to generate money uh, for this. But that only goes out 10 years. A lot, some of the other um, pay-fors or the, or the ways that they're paying for this are by reducing certain um, government spending for a few years. 
But ultimately, a lot of this bill is going to be paid for with uh, additional borrowing. So they're taking money that would have been returned to the U.S. Treasury, right. either through things like spec asset auctions, like spectrum auctions, um, or, or just unused COVID funds. Uh, and they're applying that to, to pay for this bill. Right. And the COVID funds could have very easily been returned to the government. It wouldn't have added on to the debt. But in this situation, uh, it, it feels like it's it's six of one, half dozen of the other. You're putting that money to good use one way or the other. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, it's going to productive assets. Um, however, one thing we did notice is that because this version of the bill, uh, in, in now that it's passed in August, uses more deficit financing that the that this offsets the positive effects from infrastructure investment a little bit more okay. than they did in the June bill. So the, the positive effects on GDP are a little bit smaller now. Uh, they're closer to zero than they were before. Right. And, and, and I wanted to touch on that anyway. So take take us through that process in, in, in reading this out about how the change from June till now really has impacted that level of GDP, if you can. That's right. So in, in June, uh, you know, they, they raised a significant number of revenues, particularly from IRS enforcement. Uh, and those revenues were going to be coming in for a long time. And so that generated a significant amount of um, government revenue, which lowers debt, um, which crowds in pub- private capital and makes the government, uh, sorry, makes the private economy uh, more productive. There's more private capital that, that helps, you know, people build uh, and create goods and services. Um, now, however, the, the new revenue provisions are, are a bit smaller, and so that we're, we're adding up a little bit more government debt, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to crowd out a little bit more private capital, so GDP is a little bit lower in this version than it was in the last one. Two things in terms of the revenue sources that, that I wanted to bring up with you and, and uh, you know get your thoughts on, get your explanation for. One being, uh, I understand that part of this could also be uh, selling oil from the Strategic Reserve, which is obviously something that I don't think... Uh, I don't know historically if it's normally tied in. Maybe this is a, a new occurrence in the process. How can you can you explain that a little bit more? So um, I, I'm also not familiar with any previous example where this was used to fund it. There may be some. Uh, I'm just not aware of them. But basically, the United States manages or or has a large a stockpile of oil for. Uh, I, I'm not going to say emergencies, but for for a national for the national benefit. And, um, you know, right now they're going to sell off some fraction of that to the private market, uh, which, you know, which will bring in a significant revenue, especially since oil prices are, are, uh, are pretty reasonable these days. But, um, however, at some point in the future, we, and I think most people anticipate that we'll need to sort of buy back that oil mm-hmm. to replenish that stockpile. So the money that comes from that is sort of a, a temporary windfall that someday we'll have to pay back. And that's sort of why we consider that additional government borrowing or additional government debt, because we anticipate that the government will need to, to uh, re, re, uh, uh, re-up that stockpile at some point. Right. And, and I guess the question is, those stockpiles come from where? Because we've obviously uh, seen the stories in the last few years about how the United States has become a net positive producer of oil here in the U.S. Uh, in general. The fact that we're able to actually you know, export oil uh, to other countries over the last couple of years. Right. So I'm not um, tremendously uh, familiar with the exact mechanics of how the okay. stockpiles are replenished, but basically they do they do uh, operations on the open market where they okay. buy and sell these reserves uh, to to market participants. 
Okay. The other element that that I, I was hoping you could explain is this category of dynamic scoring, which accounts for about $56 billion uh, when I read the numbers. If you can take us through what that is and how that, uh, how that obviously impacts the bottom line here. Absolutely. Um, so when, when we create new public infrastructure, uh, we create additional economic activity. So public infrastructure raises people's wages, it raises the returns to capital, it makes people more productive. And that's reflected in higher GDP. And what higher GDP really is, is it's additional income. So income uh, is taxed at the federal level, and that generates additional revenues. And so what they're doing is that they're counting some of those revenues uh, in the funding for this bill. So they do their own analysis. When Penn Wharton Budget Model does its analysis, that's automatically integrated into our analysis. So, right. so we have a very big, large, dynamic model, and part of it is figuring out how much new tax revenue is coming uh, from this policy. So that's automatically built into our analysis. All right. We are joined uh, on the line right now by John Huntley of the Penn Wharton Budget Model as uh, we are uh, recapping the infrastructure bill which passed in the uh, U.S. Senate. Uh, it, uh, it becomes a piece of uh, what we are moving uh, forward with uh, economically in this country. So the overall assessment then of this bill, you touched on the GDP, uh, that it kind of almost zeroes out the gains that uh, you had uh, believed would be there when we talked about the June report. Uh, what are we looking at for an overall assessment uh, on GDP and debt, et cetera? Wages, you know, th those are uh, those areas. So right now, because a lot of this bill does not raise as much revenue as the earlier uh, versions of this bill, we're actually looking at a, uh, an effect on GDP that is a little bit closer to zero. Um, so we're not going to see quite as large an effect on wages um, because the crowd out from the higher government debt is going to offset the positive effects from the infrastructure investment. That having been said, there may be some elements of the bill that are not reflected and uh, not measured as, as easily uh, in GDP immediately. So it's, it's not a complete story, but, but you know, we think it's a good reflection of a large chunk of the, of, of the bill's benefits. Um, so something like water infrastructure may, be, you know, may bring immediate health benefits um, that, uh, uh, you know, that aren't very easily measured. Um, so we have to consider those as well. Uh, yeah, so we're almost looking at, at, at like a net zero here. Uh, we're not, uh, you know, seeing a, a significant negative from the impact of this bill, which I, I guess in many cases that's probably not a bad thing uh, when you can get to kind of a net zero. No, I think so. Uh, I, I think that's right. I mean, ultimately, I think what this analysis shows, at least compared to the previous one, is that financing your projects matters and that the choice of, of you know, the, the revenues that you're using to build out this stuff has additional economic effects in addition to the ones that we're seeing from public infrastructure. Um, and that certain types of taxes may be more or less efficient uh, than, than, the, uh, than the sources of financing that they've settled on. All right. John, great to have you with us. Thanks very much. And I, for people that uh, do, haven't been to the website, it is a fantastic site. Uh, Penn Wharton Budget Model. Check it out. They have a lot of uh, work on there. And I would imagine, John, one of the probably the next things you guys will be tackling will be the uh, the $3.5 trillion bill, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people are already working on it. So uh, hopefully we'll have some information on that in the uh, in the future. All right. And we will uh, throw throw out throw out that invitation to have you as well. John Huntley of the Penn Wharton Budget Model. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.